0: Welcome back to Inspired. I'm Umbreen Khan. This week, President Biden celebrates 100 days in office. He's commending the nation for reaching his goal of vaccinating 200 million. As of this taping, 50% of Americans have received at least one dose of the vaccine. While celebrating this milestone, he cautioned the country, while closer to herd immunity, is not out of the woods. Hundreds of Americans are still dying from COVID every day. The data could not be clear at this point. If you are fully vaccinated, two weeks beyond your last shot, you are nearly 100% protected against death from COVID, no matter what your age. For the first three months of his administration, the priority was getting vaccines to the most vulnerable, Americans 65 years and older. Now, that target has been reached. The administration is now working in coordination with states and the private sector to shift resources to make vaccines readily available for those who are younger and much harder to reach. 90% of the American people now live within five miles of a place where they can get a shot. And under our federal vaccination program, shots will be available at nearly 40,000 pharmacies coast to coast. While access is one part of the challenge, there is another, one the president did not mention, a growing number of Americans who remain vaccine-hesitant and those who outright refuse. That hesitancy can be found in one of the hardest-hit communities by COVID-19, Hispanic or Latino Americans. Now, it's a trend that I can see unfolding in my own backyard. Every day, I check the COVID-19 vaccine and cases dashboard It's online at the Montgomery County, Maryland website. With over a million residents, we are the most populous county in the state, and our population is diverse. One-third of all residents are foreign-born, including myself. But where we live in the county tells another picture. That's where the data, broken down by zip code, helps bring the challenge into sharper focus. Of the 20% of residents who identify as Hispanic or Latino, to date... Only 14% have received a vaccination. I reached out to the Latino Health Initiatives at Montgomery County to learn more about the outreach efforts and the role that faith leaders are playing working on the front lines. They directed me to Pastor Diana Winger Arroyo. She's working to get those folks and everyone else in her community vaccinated. Pastor Diana leads the Hughes United Methodist Church located in Wheaton, Maryland. It's in the heart of a pretty urban district in the 20902 zip code. Of the 53,000 residents, nearly 70% identify as not white, and 37% identify as Latino or Hispanic. She joined the congregation as lead pastor in 2019. And over the years, the church congregation, she told me, has gotten smaller and more diverse. She describes the 150 members as a welcoming congregation, one that thinks of itself as a mosaic. After meeting the volunteers preparing for the weekly food distribution, we moved inside to talk. Thank you so much for sitting down and making time for me. I know today is a very busy day.
1: It is a busy day because we had the food distribution. And we usually do uh, between 550 to 600 people. And um, so we have about 15 volunteers that come every week, different volunteers. And um, we feed about 150 walk-ins. The rest come in the cars.
0: Pastor Diana, you are especially qualified to promote vaccinations here in your community. I understand you're a nurse and you are originally from Nicaragua where you worked as a health promoter. As you are immersed both in the language and culture of many of your neighbors here, I'm wondering what you see as some of the biggest challenges.
1: We have uh, neighbors in this community that are really vulnerable and, and living in a poor and precarious situation. And many of them don't have phone, cell phone, uh, forget about having a computer. So for them to register is complicated. It's difficult to do. We did a survey on the needs of vaccination or pre-registration. And the need is huge. So that's why we decided to help the neighbors. So hopefully they will come
0: and register here. Access and equity are two big issues around the vaccine. We know the virus disproportionately affects African-Americans, Latinos, and African immigrants. All residents of Montgomery County in significant numbers, especially here in this zip code. What do you see happening? You're right. In my zip code, which is
1: 2902, we had the highest rate of death, death, and also um, infected families. And the issue is because there are people who are immigrants, there are people who have uh, undocumented, and they are afraid to go like to register or they are afraid to give their names and last name or their uh, address because they don't trust. They don't trust uh, police. They don't trust uh, political issues when everything becomes so political. And, and immigration right now is a big deal. But on the other hand, we also have people who are hard to reach out, uh, the Africans from the uh, Caribbean. Like we had three grandmas right there standing from the Caribbean. And then we, they, they hardly speak English. Okay. They, they, they don't want us to deliver the food to them because they want to walk. Mm. <laughs> so they live about two blocks away. They come walking and they needed the vaccine. So today they are getting registered. The county has many ways to get notice. you know, what is going on. They are doing a great, incredible job doing that. But... Also, when you're going to the, people don't know how to go log in into the county website. They don't have access to that, uh, even though some of the information is, is Spanish or, or, or many languages. But we have found out that people don't know how to
0: access to that information easily. So we help with that. When you encounter people who reject the vaccine, are you hearing concerns about uh, the issues that were raised with the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, specifically this this fear or concern that it was somehow made from aborted fetal tissue, which I should say is not. We know it's not. Some of the vaccines were tested using fetal cell lines. Cells grown in laboratories from elective abortions performed in the 1970s and 80s. But I'm, I'm curious, what are you hearing here? We have found, especially
1: with the people who are walking in, many a Roman Catholic background. I think it's a scene. And uh, I tried to explain to them that they can get the other ones, the vaccines that don't have any cell tissues from aborted kids. And they still, they said they don't trust science. Mm. Especially, they say, when everything becomes so political. So many people just radical said, no, they really mistrust
0: science. Do you ever tell them that President Biden is vaccinated or that Pope Francis encourages vaccination? We do share that, especially that's the first thing I said. You know our President
1: Biden is is a Roman Catholic person and what they say is yeah, but he probably believes in abortion and I don't. <laughs> do you hear anything like that from your own United Methodist congregations? I haven't heard anything negative about the vaccine from the United Methodist in this area, personally. But I have heard about um, negative and, and opposition, not just about the, the Roman Catholic, but the white evangelical people. Mm. They believe that God, is that the blood of Jesus is protecting them and that's enough. So if you get the vaccine, you don't have faith in Christ.
0: For those wrestling with this question, how do you reconcile your own belief in God with a belief in the need to be vaccinated?
1: Well, I really respect science. I believe that God created people with the ability to, live it, to develop for a better human uh, life in, in, in this planet. And um, so the first thing I thought, like, OK, thank you, God, for sending people with such a good brain to create this vaccine. We're grateful.
0: One thing I heard outside in the parking lot was this notion that if you've had COVID, you don't need the vaccine Now, researchers and doctors say this is not true. I'm wondering if you've heard that before and how you respond. We hear that a lot,
1: a lot, especially with a few of our volunteers. I was surprised to hear that. So what I did is I invited someone from the county, and I had a meeting with all the volunteers who are like 20 people, and that lady went through all the explanation why even if you got COVID-19, you still can get it because you, you after a few months, you don't have the antibody in your, in your body and you need to get it. It's important for the, for the future, for the life to protect other people. And um, three of those volunteers who were so resistant to that because they had COVID, at the end they said, okay, two of them decided to get the, the vaccine. But one the person said, no, I don't want the vaccine. I just don't want the vaccine, period. Have you heard any conspiracy theories about the vaccine? Well, let me tell you four things I have heard about the vaccine. Some people say if they get the vaccine and they are and the, they are millennials, they are afraid to get uh, unable to give birth, or the men are unable; they, they are afraid to get sterilized and they not, not have kids any longer. The other thing that we hear about it is that it is the Bill Gates created this vaccine and put a chip in it and. But that chip is to control humanity, and they, uh, 40 years from now, 30, 20, 20 or 40 years from now, they will decide who will stay alive and who die. The other thing we hear is evil because, you know, it has a, a border cell um, tissues. And the other thing, that the last thing I have heard is that the mark of the beast, precisely because of the chip they want to insert in your hand. And if you don't have it, when Jesus comes, you won't be safe. You will stay in the, in the eternal mm. pain and suffering. It's, it's a lot of um, uh, different things which are many are religious or are political or are just people are confused about science, political and religion thing with this vaccine. That's what I can see. I ask questions, I ask questions and they answer and answer. And at the end, what I said is, Well, I believe that Jesus came to give us a better life. And I believe that vaccine provides an opportunity for us to be uh, serving God in a better way. So protecting other people, you're loving them and protecting yourself, you're loving yourself, which is the biggest comment. Mm -hmm. Love the neighbors and
0: love yourself. When you talk with other religious leaders, does this come up, the challenge of responding to misinformation and conspiracy theories? I am part of the interfaith
1: uh, community from the Montgomery County, and we have had conversations like that. You know, we have all the different faiths and different theological uh, thinking about the vaccine. So what we have talked about is that each one of us, even if you are Christian, you are Muslim, you are uh, Jewish, you are from the Baha'i religion, whatever religion you are, just try to explain to them by the love of God. Everybody loves God, right? Whatever the God it is, everybody loves God. So we try to explain to them in a faith base uh, that it is about loving yourself and loving others. And that's a big commandment for any religion because it's it's God, right, the creator.
0: And is that effective? Do you think religious leaders are more trusted than political leaders? Are religious reasons for getting vaccines more effective than political or even scientific ones? 100% I believe so, yeah. I'm curious, one year into this pandemic, it's taking a toll on all of us. How are folks doing in your community?
1: Things are improving. I can see people going back to their work, jobs, that they were not working for quite a few months. I have seen also people um, coming uh, out to help more in the hub, people that never wanted to do it. Now they are vaccinated, they want to help. I also see uh, many mamas, uh, single ma- mothers that I, we know in the community—they—they uh, they were severely depressed for being inside, uh, stuck with the kids and the computer all day long, without being able for them to do anything. I have seen that that some of those kids are going back to school in person, so the mothers come to our programs, different programs we have, and I have seen that improvement in, in health in, in terms of healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, lifestyle. Uh, I have seen that um, many people that are vaccinated
0: now they come to a Zumba. Zumba? What role does Zumba play in the community's comeback?
1: Well, Latino community is all about music and dancing. Even you cooking, you dancing. Grandma can be 100 years old and she's cooking rice and she's dancing.
0: I think I might be a little Latina.
1: If grandma is taking care of the kids, there will be music in the old radio, uh, you know, especially you are from Puerto Rico and South America. And um, so we're musical people. So uh, dancing is healthy, make them feel joyful, free, relaxed. They forget about things, and then they can start getting better shape.
0: Pastor Deanna, your church is doing a lot to address some of the needs in your community, you know, not just the food delivery. I know you have regular social workers available for members of the community, as well as your congregation as, as a resource. Now, if you were in the position of policymakers to prioritize what needs to happen in our county, what would be at the top of your list?
1: Vaccinating people right now. Vaccinating people. And I, I will... I will try to do my best to mobile, all the mobile clinics and uh, working with uh, not just Montgomery County, but like a CVS, uh, Holy Cross, all the hospitals and clinics, private clinics. I would love to work with them and take a mobile units to vaccinate people in the apartment complex.
0: And do you think local officials understand what it would take to be able to do what
1: you're describing? I think that Montgomery County has been incredible, making big efforts to understand it. But I think it goes beyond their understanding because we're talking about many, many cultures, many subcultures under one big culture. But I think there are things that are more like a community leaders situation that uh, we understand it more because we just have a team here that goes and drop off food to the seniors and single mothers, people affected with COVID-19, unemployed people. We have a long list. And, and Wednesday and Thursday, we deliver food to the doors. So when they open the doors, you are like a eight, 10 feet away from each other. They start telling you their needs. They, they, they trust you. You can hear something that like, oh, wow, I, I can't even imagine this. I think faith-based relationship community relationship is, is critical in this
0: situation. It is. Diana Winger Arroyo is the lead pastor of Hughes United Methodist Church, located in Wheaton, Maryland. In addition to serving as an elder for nearly two and a half decades, she's a nurse and has worked as a health promoter in her country of origin, Nicaragua. Coming up, we put the challenges Pastor Deanna described into a national context with help from our friends at the Public Religion Research Institute. They co-released a report with IFYC examining the religion factor in vaccine resistance and strategies that can be effective in overcoming hesitance. Hispanic Protestants are our lowest vaccine acceptor group. Notably, they also have the highest rate of hesitancy. The distinction between white evangelical Protestants and Hispanic Protestants is that the white evangelicals are more likely to be refusers, whereas Hispanic, it's hesitancy. It's not the refusal rate that jumps up very high. My conversation with the director of research, Natalie Jackson, starts after this short break. Stay with us. You're listening to Inspired, a production of Interfaith Voices.